What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 109, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, August 8th, 2020, headlined by Derek Lewis versus Alexi Olenek. This 12-fight card will take place from Las Vegas, Nevada at the UFC Apex and will take place in the smaller UFC cage. Last week, I was able to profit four units on the Brunson vs. Shabazzian card, which brings our 2020 yearly total to plus 55 units. So we've been giving out a lot of winning bets. I hope to keep it going this weekend. I already got a few bets locked in, and I'm really liking this card from a value perspective. So I'll be dropping a lot of bets throughout the next 45 minutes or so on the podcast. We're going to start things off in the bantamweight division. We have Ali Alquazi taking on Erwin Rivera. The opening betting line for this one was Rivera minus 185 to Quasi plus 145. Right now we are seeing Rivera minus 175 to Quasi plus 155. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. The early action came in on Rivera, and he was actually sitting around minus 200 for a few days. And since then, the action has came back in on Quasi. And if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I actually tweeted out that I will be betting Quasi in the spot. Quasi is making his UFC debut, and when I was doing my initial tape on him this week, I was very unimpressed with what I saw. His striking doesn't seem to be very effective. He looks to just hit mostly takedowns, and even his top game isn't really that good. He mostly submitted lower-level opponents, so I was really unimpressed with what I saw from Quasi, and I really couldn't imagine myself betting on him. Then I go back and watch some Erwin Rivera tape, and he did make his UFC debut against Giga Chikadze on short notice. He basically just got outstruck in that fight for 15 minutes straight. He looked pretty durable. It looked like he could take a shot, but he really didn't have much success in that fight. And if you go back and watch his pre-UFC fights, you see that he really struggles with takedown defense. He was taken down by Duran. He was taken down by Waggy, and he was taken down by Sabatello. And the Sabatello fight is really concerning because he was taken down about 30 seconds into that fight. He did not look good off of his back. And Sabatello was gassed out in round two and shooting desperate telegraph takedowns. And he was still getting Rivera down to the ground. So I think that Alquazi has a great chance of hitting takedowns early here. He is a pretty consistent wrestler. He shot takedowns in just about every fight that I saw of him. So if you're picking or betting Rivera here, I think you're relying on him either stuffing takedowns or getting off of his back if he does get taken down, and he just is not reliable to do that. When he's faced wrestlers, he has gotten taken down, and he has gotten stuck on his back. So I don't think Alquazi is a dominant wrestler. I don't think one takedown is going to do it. I I think that he could hit takedowns in multiple rounds. I think that he could get a quick submission like he did versus most of his lower-level opponents. So I think Alquazi has a lot of upside here, and if he's the underdog, and I think he's going to be hitting takedowns and winning the first round. I'm happy to bet on him. So I have one unit on Alquazi at plus 180. I might even add a little bit more because I think this is more of a 50 50 type of fight. I might even give a slight advantage to Alquazi here. And if Alquazi is not able to get Rivera down, I fully expect him to get outstruck on the feet. Rivera is the better striker, no question. But I really haven't seen too much power from Rivera to think that he can just instantly knock out Alquazi on the feet. So he's going to have to be outstriking Alquazi for multiple minutes. And I just don't think that he will do that without getting taken down. And the small cage in this fight favors Alquazi. There's a lot of advantages for Alquazi here. So I'm going to pick Alquazi to either get a submission or decision. I think a decision is more likely because I'm not overly impressed with this submission game. So the pick for me is going to be Alquazi to win a 29-28 decision here. Wouldn't go 
crazy betting on Aquazi more than two or three units because it is a low-level UFC debutant uh, here. But I do like the value on Aquazi, and I'm playing him for one unit at plus 180. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Yusef Zalal taking on Peter Barrett. The opening betting line for this one was Zalal, the minus 320 favorite, to Barrett plus 240 as the underdog. Right now, we are seeing Zalal minus 450 to Barrett plus 360. So a lot of action coming in on the favorite Yusef Zalal in this one. And rightfully so. I was really unimpressed with what I saw from Barrett on tape. He is making his UFC debut here. He's a southpaw striker. He struggles getting taken down. Doesn't really have great get-ups. And even on the feet, he's a pretty low-level striker in my opinion. I don't think that uh, he's even a better striker than Zalal. So I think that Barrett's going to need a striking knockout to win this fight. And I think that's going to be really difficult because I just favor Zalal everywhere. I think Zalal's the better striker. I think he's certainly the better grappler. Zalal really likes hitting takedowns too. So I think Zalal probably hits takedowns, outgrapples Barrett. Might even get a finish along the way because this is going to be a, such a mismatch in my opinion. But Zalal is not really an aggressive finisher. So I wouldn't really rely on him to get it done inside the distance. But I'm picking Zalal to get it done any way he wants. I think decision is the most likely way it gets done. And the pick is going to be Zalal by decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Justin James taking on Gavin Tucker. The opening betting line for this one was... Tucker the favorite at minus 220 to Janes plus 185. Right now we are seeing Tucker minus 125 to Janes plus 105. A lot of action coming in on the underdog Justin Janes. I can't say I'm too surprised because I do think that where the opening line was set was a bit wide. And I think that James just has a lot of upside to the casual viewer here. He is coming in off of five first round finishes in a row. He came into the UFC on short notice and knocked out Frank Camacho in 60 seconds. So he's in a super aggressive fighter. He's definitely got some power in his hands. But besides a round one finish from James, I haven't really seen too much uh, depth from him in his MMA game. James is also dropping down to 145 here, and it's interesting because he's fought most of his career at 155, and has even fought as high as 170, so it's going to be interesting to see how he looks at 145. I don't think it would be too bad of a cut because he did seem to have some extra body mass on him when he fought Camacho on short notice, but it'll be interesting seeing how James's power and his chin and his cardio reacts to being down at 145. One major concern when I was watching tape on James is when he fought Troy Lampson, he was taken down and did have his back taken in round one. His defensive grappling and takedown defense did not look very good. And I think that Tucker should be looking to hit offensive takedowns here and look to outgrapple James. I think on the feet it should be competitive, but I'll give a slight advantage to Justin James because he's just very aggressive and throws with a lot of power. He kind of just walks forward and spams uh, overhands and big uh, hooks. So he's definitely a powerful striker and he's not not to be taken lightly on the feet, but I think that Tucker should hit takedowns here, try to tire James out, get him into the later rounds where he has not fought in a few years. And I think that if they if this gets outside of round one, I would start to favor Tucker pretty heavily. I think he's got the better cardio, and I think he will start to hit takedowns and outgrapple James as the fight goes on. So in terms of bets for this fight, I definitely think it is Tucker or pass at this point. I think that if you wanted to get on Janes, then the time has passed. There's no value left on the plus 105 price. And I think that if you want to bet this fight, there's a lot of props that have value. I think that Janes round one at plus 600 has decent value. Tucker round two, round three submission have value. And the under two and a half rounds is at plus money. And I think that this fight ends by finish more often than not. Janes is live for a finish in round one. And if he doesn't get that finish, he should slow down. 
start to get taken down and likely get submitted in round two or three. So I like the under two and a half rounds here. And I also am going to be picking Gavin Tucker to weather that early storm of Janes, avoid getting knocked out in round one, and look to hit takedowns and to outgrapple Janes later on in the fight. So Tucker could be a great live bet spot here. He might struggle with some adversity in round one. He might get hit. He might even get finished. So maybe look to pass in the money line pre-fight and look to live bet Tucker here. And if you're looking for some fun props, I dropped a few earlier. Janes round one, Tucker round two, round three submission. So my pick in this one is going to be Gavin Tucker to get a round two submission. I have no bets on the money line so far, but if the action keeps coming in on Janes and we might see Tucker as an underdog, I think that there, there would be value on Tucker as an underdog. I think even now there's value on Tucker at minus 125. I favor him at a more about 60 to 65% here, but I have not locked in, in any action on Tucker yet. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Andrew Sanchez taking on Wellington Terman. The opening betting line for this one was Terman minus 160 to Sanchez plus 130. Right now we are seeing Terman minus 155 to Sanchez plus 135. So the line is staying just about what it opened. That means there is two-way action coming in on this fight. This has been one of the least discussed fights of the week in my opinion and it's rightfully so. It's a very tough fight to predict. I think it's hard to see massive advantages for either guy here. I was impressed with what I saw from Wellington Terman in his last fight. It seemed like he increased his initiative, was throwing a ton of output, going for takedowns, landing hard strikes versus Marcus Perez. And it was a very nice dominant decision that he got in that fight. He showed good cardio in round three and just a very well-rounded game. Andrew Sanchez is also a similar fighter, very well-rounded. He has decent boxing. He's a good clinch fighter, a former wrestler, so he has good offensive takedowns. And he's very hard to take down himself. So these guys are very evenly matched it's very hard to see clear advantages in the striking and the grappling i think that if Terman attempts takedowns he will likely have a hard time getting them and probably won't get sanchez down we might even see sanchez look to hit his own uh, offensive takedowns because when wellington Terman fought carl roberson he was reversed on the ground and spent about three or four minutes on his back and showed some real lack of ability to get off of his back so we might see sanchez look to exploit that here on the feet here, it's very competitive. I think I'm going to give a slight advantage to Wellington Terman because he's the younger, faster, more athletic fighter, and he was just throwing a lot of volume versus Perez, and I think it's going to be hard for Sanchez to uh, out-volume him here. It's going to be a very even volume battle, and I think, honestly, this fight is going to take place a lot in the clinch, a lot against the cage, a lot of grinding, underhook battles, takedown defense. It won't be the most exciting fight, and I think it's going to be a split decision type of fight here, so... In the betting window, I'm going to say it is dog or pass. I think that there's no value on Terman at the minus 150 price. I just can't be this confident in Terman this early into his UFC career. I think that Sanchez is probably one of the tougher fighters he's fought so far, and I think he's going to give him a real hard test here. In terms of a pure picko, I'm actually going to go with the dog Sanchez here. I think he's just going to be hard to take down. He's going to win those clinch battles. I think he's going to land some, some strikes on the exit from the clinch, and it's going to be a really competitive distance striking fight and I think I'm just going to side with the more experienced and the more veteran fighter here in Andrew Sanchez but it's going to be a close split decision type of fight I don't have any action on Sanchez as is so far uh, might end up with about a half unit one unit on him if the price stays the same or maybe gets a little better but not a really intriguing fight to bet in my opinion because it's going to be a, a close split decision so it's a pass in the money line for me the next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Nasrat Hakparas taking on Alex Munoz. 
the opening betting line for this one was Nasrat minus 205 to Munoz plus 175. Right now, we are seeing Nasrat minus 242, Munoz plus 200. More action coming in on the favorite Nasrat hack pressed in this one. It's really hard to say whether I agree or disagree with the action here because I'm having a tough time predicting this fight here. And it's Munoz's UFC debut. He comes from a wrestling background. He shoots a lot of takedowns. And he has some pretty decent striking as well. He beat up Nick Newell on the feet really bad on the Contender Series. He's got some nice southpaw boxing. I really like his gas tank. It seems like he can go hard for the full three rounds. And when he hits takedowns, I really like his grappling style. He doesn't go for back takes. He doesn't go for submissions. He kind of just rides you on top like a wrestler. He gets that body lock. He clasps his hands together and just doesn't let you out. He doesn't go for any fancy positions or submissions. I just like he stays on top and he, he keeps that top position, which I really like, honestly, because sometimes we see wrestlers who are uh, great wrestlers. They take their opponent down to the floor, but then once they get them down, they don't have any form of top control. They go for back takes. They sloppily lose position. They go for guillotine chokes. I really can't stand when I see that. So what I saw from Munoz in terms of his uh, grappling style, I really liked it. Now getting over to Nasrat here, he is coming off of a loss in his last fight. He got knocked out versus Drew Dober in about 90 seconds. But before that, people were really high on him. He was a massive favor going into that fight. The market was loving Hack Brass. And Nasrat is a very impressive fighter. He's got incredible boxing. I think his striking level is uh, really high level. And he's got very fast hands. He's got some power in his punches. But the biggest question here is his takedown defense and his ability to get off of his back. And the reason why this fight is so hard to predict is because we have not seen Nasrat Hackbrass tested in the wrestling aspect of things since his fight versus Marcin Held. He did defend a few takedowns versus Mark Casey, but we didn't really see him actually on the mat in that fight. He was just stuffing takedowns in the feet. So the last time that we've seen Nasrat Hackbrass grapple was versus Marcin Held, and that's a hard fight to, to analyze because Nasrat came into that fight on short notice. He was able to drop Marcin in that fight. He did all of the damage in that fight, but Marcin was just hitting takedowns, getting top position, and we saw Nasrat have some bad tendencies in terms of getting full guard and not getting back up to his feet, and I think that those were some bad signs from Nasrat here, because if he's not able to stuff takedowns, he's going to end up on his back, and if he's going full guard versus Munoz, he's going to stay on his back for three or four minutes, and I don't see Nasrat getting up, so... Unless Nasrat has significantly improved his takedown defense and his defensive grappling, I think he's going to really struggle with Munoz here because the striking is going to be competitive. I will give an advantage to Nasrat, but I do think Munoz could present some problems on the feet, but if we see prolonged striking exchanges, I do think Nasrat will start to develop an advantage. And we're going to see Munoz hitting takedowns. He's an aggressive wrestler, and I think that he probably does hit takedowns here, and he's going to keep Nasrat on his back for some amount of time. He's going to ride Nasrat out against the fence and he's going to get some top time and he's likely going to win some rounds and now it's on Nasrat to get back up to his feet to do damage on the feet when they're striking to maybe land a knockdown land a knockout at some point but Munoz is tough he's durable and I think he's going to be a really tough fight for Nasrat here so I think this fight is more of a 60 40 65 35 type of fight for Nasrat I think that where the odds are at now at 70 percent for Nasrat is a bit wide and the reason why I'm not confidently picking Munoz here is because we haven't really seen him outgrapple anybody that good. We've seen him hit takedowns and get some submissions 
and get some quick finishes over some lower level opponents but we have not seen him fight a fighter near the caliber of Nasrat Hackbrast here so I think the Munoz has the style to give Nasrat problems but I'm not super confident in the fact that he will implement that style and win here so I like the value on Munoz I think that this is more of a 60-40 type of fight for Nasrat so there is some value on Munoz I will be betting Munoz for about a half a unit maybe even a full unit if the action keeps coming in on Nasrat so I think I'll go with an official prediction of Nasrat by decision. I think he could get, could get a knockout as well, but I'm really liking Munoz in this fight. I think he's a live dog, and I think that it'll be an interesting live betting situation as well. So tough fight to predict, hard fight to be confident in because of the lack of grappling tape on Nasrat and just the lack of tape on Munoz too. He's a pretty inexperienced fighter. So tough fight to predict. Wouldn't go crazy betting on either side, but it is dog or pass, and I will be betting Munoz small. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Kevin Holland taking on Joaquin Buckley. The opening betting line for this one was Holland, the favorite, at minus 275 to Buckley, plus 235. Right now, we are seeing Holland minus 440 to Buckley, plus 350. Kevin Holland was supposed to fight Trevin Giles this past weekend, but that fight was canceled on the night of the fight. So they're bringing in Buckley here on short notice to fight Holland. And Buckley did fight on the 31st of July, so just about seven or eight days ago. So he's been in LFA getting wins. He definitely has some power in his hands. But I think the only way he wins this fight is a striking knockout because what I've seen from his defensive grappling is it's pretty bad. He gets taken down pretty easily. And once he's on his back, he doesn't have much of an idea how to get up. If you watch the Logan Storley fight, he was taken down and stuck on his back for over 13 minutes of that fight. So he really struggles getting up from his back. And that's why I think his only chance of winning is by a striking knockout. But even on the feet, I still give Kevin Holland an advantage. He's going to have a 5-inch height advantage and a 7-inch reach advantage here over Buckley. And I think that he can use his jab and his front kick to keep Buckley at distance and to outstrike him. So there aren't props out for this fight yet. But when they do come out, I think that Buckley knockout might have some value if it's like plus 800 or higher. Because I do think that's his only chance at winning. And I think that Holland probably takes him down if he wants to and likely submits him at some point. But the fight will really go wherever Kevin Holland wants it to go. If he wants it to stay on the feet and to just strike with Buckley, he will do so. But I think he hits takedowns at some point and goes with the path of least resistance and probably gets a submission in round two or three here. So the pick for me is going to be Holland by submission. And I think that in terms of the money line, there's no real value on either side here. I guess Kevin Holland's a safe parlay piece. And look to bet in Buckley by knockout if it has maybe 6-1, to 8-1 to one odds because that is his only way of winning this fight. The next fight is in the welterweight division. We have Tim Means taking on Laureano Steropoli. The opening betting line for this one was Steropoli minus 155 to Means plus 135. Right now, we are seeing Steropoli minus 135 to Means plus 115. So there's two-way action coming in on this fight. I think there's more action coming in on the dog, Tim Means. And I understand why he's the veteran. He's the known name. He probably has 10 or 15 more fights in the UFC than Steropoli does. But I don't think that matters here because in this matchup, I actually like Steropoli. I think he's the younger, faster fighter. I think he's been more effective in his most few recent fights. He's been much more durable. I mean, he took a beating versus Muslim Salikov and stayed on his feet, recovered really quickly when he was hurt in that fight and made it to the decision. 
Meanwhile, Tim Means has been looking a bit fragile lately. He got knocked out by a vicious punch from Nico Price and injured his leg really badly in that fight. He did come back with a nice victory over Thiago Alves, but had some scary moments in that fight as well. Was hurt at some points in that fight, but still put off the victory. And then his most recent fight against Daniel Rodriguez, he was struggling with the jab of Rodriguez, who was coming in as a short-notice replacement. And... A guy who had never fought in the UFC before came in, stunned Means at the end of round one, knocked him down, and then was hurting him bad in round two and locked up a guillotine choke. So Means' cardio has not been looking good, his defense, his chin, it's all been going downhill. And I think that at this time in their career, Steropoli is the much better striker. I think he's got the better defense. He's less likely to get knocked out. And I think he's got the more consistent volume over the three rounds too. So I give a lot of advantages to Steropoli here. I think he's going to out strike means even in the early rounds and I think that he probably could get a knockout maybe round two round three but I think the most likely outcome is decision even though it's going to be hard to imagine Tim Means going the full 15 minutes here I just don't think that Steropoli is that big of a power puncher so a knockout is possible because Means has just been looking so fragile like I mentioned but I think decision is the most likely way it goes and I like the value on Steropoli at minus 135 and I will be betting him around that price. The next fight is in the lightweight division. We have Benil Daryush taking on Scott Holtzman. The opening betting line for this one was Daryush minus 160 to Holtzman plus 140. Right now we are seeing Daryush minus 175 to Holtzman plus 155. There is two-way action coming in on this fight, but the more action is coming in on the favorite Benil Daryush. I understand why. He's had the much more successful UFC career. He's been in the UFC for several years now compared to Holtzman for just a few years. And he's on a four-fight win streak too. He might be declining a little bit athletically. He might be looking a little more fragile in his fights, but he's still getting the wins. Like the Drew Dober fight and the Jakar Close fight, he faced some adversity in those fights, but still pulled off the finish because he's just such a veteran and such a well-rounded fighter. And I'm a huge fan of Benil Daryush. But in this matchup, I'm a bit worried, and I think I like the other side of this matchup in Scott Holtzman. And Holtzman has been making a lot of improvements since his early UFC career, and he has faced a lot of southpaws lately. Jim Miller's a southpaw, Nick Lentz fought southpaw a lot of their fight, and Alan Patrick's also a southpaw. Had a lot of success counterpunching those guys. Uh, the, the open stance matchup uh, worked out really well for him, and he was hitting them with hard right-hand counters. Uh, that leg kick is there on the lead leg of the southpaw fighters, and I think that that's going to be a big tool in this fight. Uh, Benil Daryu struggled with the leg kicks to Jakar close a little bit. It looked like his legs were shutting down a little bit in that second round. And I think that Holtzman could just present a lot of problems for Daryush. He has good three rounds of cardio in him. He has solid defensive grappling. Not the greatest takedown defense and could be taken down here. That's definitely going to be the path to victory for Benil Daryush is to hit takedowns to maybe get a back take. And if you watch Scott Holtzman's fight against Nick Lentz, he did get pushed against the cage a lot. He did get taken down a few times. He even had his back taken very shortly, but he was able to escape a lot of positions. He shucked Nick Lentz off of his back. He was able to stand up from the takedowns. He was able to do damage in the clinch against the cage. So Scott Holtzman did a lot of right things in that fight, despite losing a very close decision that I honestly thought he should have won. So in this fight, we likely see Benel Daryush look to hit early takedowns. He probably will hit them, maybe even get a back take, but I do not think he's going to submit Scott Holtzman. 
Benil probably wins the first round. And then in those later rounds, the second and third rounds, I think we're going to start to favor Scott Holtzman. So I could see Benil Daryush getting an early lead with his grappling like he did versus Jakar Close. And then in round two, he's going to look a little more uh, susceptible to getting hit on the feet. And I think that Scott Holtzman is not going to get caught with a punch like Jakar Close was and get finished. And I got to give credit to Benil Daryush. That was an incredible comeback. He was hurt bad in that fight and was able to rock Jakar Close and knock him out cold with an overhand left. I mean, he's still an incredible fighter and that was one of the best moments of 2020 to be honest but it's a new matchup here and I like Scott Holtzman at this price I definitely think it's dog or pass I mean Daryush might pull off this victory he might get us an early submission he might maybe win two out of three rounds and then see a decision uh, versus Holtzman here but I think it's going to be a sloppy fight he's going to be in trouble in a lot of points and I think it's definitely dog or pass so it's just a matter of how much you want to trust Holtzman and I trust him a good amount I think he's going to be there to, to swing at Daryush hard on the feet he's going to be hard to take down very hard to submit and I think that he's going to be there with good cardio and good pressure in the later rounds so I will be betting and picking Scott Holtzman to win here. I think a knockout is the most likely, followed by decision for Holtzman. There's almost no way he submits Daryush here. So I think that Daryush could win by early submission, but I really don't see him winning the fight late. I don't see him winning by decision. And I would really start to favor Scott Holtzman in the second half of the fight here. So it could be a great live bet spot for Holtzman, but I will be on him pre-fight. And I think he gets it done by second or third round knockout. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Yana Kunitskaya taking on Julia Stoyarenko. The opening betting line for this one was Yana minus 175 to Julia plus 135. Right now we are seeing Yana minus 220 to Julia plus 180. More action coming in on Yana Kunitskaya. I completely understand why. She has the UFC experience, the UFC wins, and Julia is coming in here on short notice to replace Ketlin Vieira. So Kunitskaya was already training for a good grappler, and she's facing a worse grappler here after all. So I give Yana an advantage on the feet here. It's going to be some sloppy striking exchanges. Both have pretty bad defense, but I'm going to give a slight advantage to Kunitskaya because she's longer. She can use her length a little better. She throws decent jabs and front kicks, and she's pretty active on the feet but Storyarenko is definitely going to be just coming forward the entire time she can take a massive amount of damage and just keeps plotting forward so she's going to be in Kunitskaya's face and Kunitskaya is going to be moving backwards and outstriking her and it's probably going to be really sloppy on the feet and we're also going to see probably a lot of clinching and a lot of takedowns in this fight Storyarenko is definitely going to be looking to hit those classic guard pulls that she does in pretty much all of her fights and that's a big red flag at this level of mixed martial arts pulling guard is pretty much never a good idea even though she is able to submit some lower level grapplers with arm bars and guard submissions I don't think she's going to get Kunitskaya here but to be honest, just last week we had a high-level women's MMA fight end via guard submission. So honestly, anything is possible. And it wouldn't completely surprise me to see Storyarenko pull off that guard submission off the guard pull uh, because this is just a low-level fight. So I think that there's a little bit of value on Storyarenko. I think that I would favor Kunitskaya more at about 60%. So I think that where this line is at now is a bit wide. But I still do expect Kunitskaya to get it done by decision. I think she avoids the, the takedown attempts, the guard 
guard pulls in the submission attempts, and she slightly outstrikes Storyrenko on the feet and in the clinch here. So I'm going to give Kunitskaya a decent advantage in this one in the striking. I think she probably lands more strikes. It's going to be a close decision, though, so I would not play Kunitskaya. It's definitely dog or pass, and I wouldn't knock a small bet on Storyrenko at that plus 200 price. So the pick, once again, is Kunitskaya by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Darren Stewart taking on Maki Patolo. The opening betting line for this one was Stewart the minus 150 favorite to Patolo plus 110. Right now we are seeing Stewart minus 145 to Patolo plus 125. There is two-way action coming in on this fight and I completely understand why. It's honestly a pretty hard fight to predict and it's a really hard fight to be confident in because... In all honesty, I think that the fight is going to be a striking swing fest. I think we're likely to see these two brawl on the feet, trade hard punches until one man falls. I think a, lot, a knockout is pretty likely here. And initially, I was leaning towards Stewart pretty heavily. I thought that he was the more natural middleweight. He's gotten the better wins in the UFC. And I think that his defense is a little better than Patolo's. Patolo's defense on the feet is pretty bad. He willingly eats punches. And he's not really that great of a pocket boxer either. So I could see Stewart landing some hard punches and elbows in the close distance striking exchanges here. But to be honest, after doing some tape, I'm definitely not as confident in Stewart as I was pre-tape. I just think he gets hit a little bit too much. He doesn't have the best volume on the feet. He struggles getting pushed against the cage sometimes. He definitely struggles getting taken down, although his takedown defense is improving. And he's only been really held down by really good wrestlers. So I don't think Patolo will take him down here, even though Patolo does like to mix in some, some takedowns into his game. And there were some really sloppy grappling exchanges in the, the Bird fight, Patolo's last fight. And that was kind of a miraculous win. Bird was at the end of his career. He did retire at the end of that fight. And I think Patolo did get the win. He did win by knockout, but it still wasn't that much of an impressive victory in my opinion. I'm going to slightly side with Darren Stewart in this one, although I wouldn't be betting him as a favorite. I think this is just such a high-variance striking fight that it's hard to predict and possibly to be confident in either one of these guys because we could just see them swing to the death with no defense and could get a first-round knockout from either one. So in my opinion, I think that Stewart's going to weather the early storm of Patolo, maybe slow Patolo down a little bit in those later rounds and probably get a second or third-round knockout. I don't think I'll be betting either money line in this fight. Maybe the fight ends by knockout prop has some value at minus 115 because I do think these two knock each other out at a 60 to 70 percent rate. Maybe they see the decision a few times if they fight 10 times, but I think this one does end by knockout. I'm going to go with Stewart's second round knockout, but it's not a confident pick and I would not advise betting heavily on either side of this money line. The next fight is the co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We have Chris Weidman taking on Omari Akhmedov. The opening betting line for this one was Akhmedov, the minus 150 favorite to Weidman plus 130. Since then, the line has flipped. We are now seeing Weidman minus 140 to Akhmedov plus 120. More action coming in on the former champion, Chris Weidman. I understand why he has the name value. He is the more accomplished UFC career of the two no question but he is one in five in his past six fights and he's also taken a substantial amount of damage in those past six fights if we start 
the first fight of the losing streak versus Luke Rockhold. He was ground and pounded for a solid three or four minutes there. Took a huge amount of damage in that fight. Yo Romero knocked him out with a flying knee. Gegard Mousasi hit him with some knees and that fight ended up being a controversial stoppage. He did pick up a win over Kelvin Gastelum but was dropped in round one of that fight. He had a war with uh, Jacare Souza where he was knocked out in round three. And his most recent fight was an ill-advised move to light heavyweight where he took on Dominic Reyes. Attempted some early takedowns, got a quick takedown, but Reyes got right back up to his feet, separated, and knocked him out with the straight left hand in the first round. So Chris Weidman has been knocked out five times in his past six fights and has been taking a lot of damage. And I think it's very fair to question his durability, his athleticism at this point, possibly even his motivation on why he's fighting. I don't think that he can be anywhere near the top uh, 10 of the division. So it's really uh, puzzling to see why he's fighting here. The UFC gave Weidman a pretty good matchup in Akhmedov here, but in terms of difficulty, I think they could have given him a lot easier fights, and Omari's a pretty well-rounded fighter. I think he's going to be a tough out for Weidman, and I think that Omari can do a lot of things in this fight right, and I think that he could possibly even pull off the upset here against Chris Weidman. And I gave all that preface about that information about Weidman, not because I think he's he's completely shot and he's going to lose here easily. I think it's just enough information to, to think that betting on Weidman as a favorite in 2020 just isn't a good idea and I think it's dog or pass right off the bat and in terms of Akhmedov I think there are some things that he can do to win this fight the first thing that comes to mind is for Omari to leg kick. If he can start hitting leg kicks on the orthodox stance of Weidman, he could be limiting the mobility of Weidman. He could be making it harder to shoot takedowns, and he's going to be definitely making it harder to work off the jab, which Weidman likes to do. You have to use that lead leg a lot when you're jabbing, and if you were getting that leg shut down by leg kicks, it's going to be a lot harder to throw jabs. So if Omari can get that leg kick working early, I think he could shut Chris down early. And I think that Chris is definitely going to be looking to hit takedowns here. He's just most comfortable when he's wrestling. Even though his boxing did look pretty sharp versus Jacare Souza, he did get hit a good amount in that fight. He started to slow down late, and he did eventually get knocked out. And I just feel like Weidman is not confident in his chin right now, doesn't trust his durability, and he's going to be looking to wrestle here just to avoid getting knocked out on the feet. So I think that Weidman has a good chance at hitting takedowns versus Akhmedov, but Akhmedov has a solid base. He's not easy to take down. He actually has good offensive wrestling himself, so it's going to be a close battle in terms of wrestling. I do think Weidman gets him down at times, but I just don't know how much he'll do with the top position. So I think that I'm going to give a slight advantage to the striking and the wrestling for Chris Weidman, maybe a 60-40 advantage in both aspects of things, but I just can't trust him as a favorite here. I don't think that his cardio is proven. I think that he could slow down later in the fight. His durability is definitely a question, and he could be knocked out at any time. And I think that Omari is a solid enough fighter to, to be a tough out for Weidman here to possibly stuff takedowns to give Weidman a tough fight on the feet. And he could even possibly pull off a decision here. An interesting statistic about these guys is uh, Weidman is 4-0 when he's gone to the decision and Omari is 8-0 when he's gone to the decision. So both of these guys are good round winners. They're both undefeated when it comes to the scorecards. So if this fight hits the cards, it's going to be really close. If it gets a finish, I could see a submission from Weidman, an early submission off the takedowns. He does have pretty good top game in submissions. I could see a knockout from Omari. So this fight could play out a lot of ways. It is going to be dog or pass in terms of the money line, but 
but I'm actually going to pick Weidman by decision here. I think that he gets some takedowns. He wins the top time. He's the more active, more accurate striker on the feet, and it's going to be a close fight, though. I'm not confident at all in Weidman. I'm actually kind of cheering for Akhmedov here just because I think he has the higher ceiling, but in terms of the money line, I won't be betting this fight, and the official prediction is going to be Weidman by decision. The next fight is the main event of the evening. In the heavyweight division, we have Derek Lewis taking on Alexi Olenek. The opening betting line for this one was Lewis minus 200 to Olenek plus 170. Right now, we are seeing Lewis minus 185 to Olenek plus 160. The early action in this fight actually came in on Derek Lewis, and he was sitting at near a minus 300 favorite for a few weeks there before the action started to come back in on Alexi Olenek, and I was a part of that action on Olenek. I have two units on Olenek at plus 230 because I think this line is way off. I think that there still might be some value left on Olenek even at plus 160 because... I just think the early fight favors Olenek. He comes out early and throws volume. He's very aggressive. And in the Fabricio Verdum fight, his most recent fight, he was charging at Verdum, throwing combinations, high volume. He had cardio to go the full three rounds. He had good defensive grappling in the later rounds. He was avoiding getting submitted by the dangerous Fabricio Verdum. And Olenek was able to win round one and two of that fight and win a decision. Who would have thought Olenek would have won a decision in 2020, but it happened. And this fight is five rounds. I don't see it going to the full five rounds. Olenek said so. He said that he doesn't think he's capable of fighting the full five rounds. So I think Olenek is extremely capable of finishing the fight in the first three rounds. I see Olenek getting out to an early lead. He has the more aggressive volume in round one. He's more known for starting the fights fast. Lewis tends to start the fights slow and work into them later. And if you look at Lewis's past two decisions, his fight against Ivanov and against Latifi, Derek Lewis probably should have lost both of those fights. And I believe that he won both of those fights purely on optics. Let me explain to myself when I say optics because it is a word that I think is very relevant in terms of predicting MMA fights because the judges are very bad in MMA. They consistently make mistakes. They do not score the full five minutes of the round. They often forget the first two or three minutes of the round and score just the last two minutes. So if fighter A is winning the first three minutes of a round strong, but fighter B comes on and wins that last minute or two, Fighter B is much more likely to win the round because they came on strong at the end of the round and they won the round on optics. That's what happened in Derek Lewis's fights. He was taken down by Ivanov and by Latifi and spent about three minutes on bottom of those rounds and then just got up with about 90 seconds left in the round, charged at them, threw a bunch of sloppy strikes, barely connected on any of them, but he was able to win the rounds because the arena was going crazy. Lewis was charging at him. He was swinging. And even though he wasn't landing, even though he wasn't doing any damage, Lewis won those rounds. He stole the rounds in the eyes of the judges, and that's what he's so good at. Derek Lewis could pull off a similar situation here where Alexi Olenek takes him down. Olenek is on top for a few minutes, three or four minutes, and he gets up and wins the round. But I don't think it'll matter much because I don't think we're seeing the scorecards here. I think this fight ends by finishing the first three rounds. And I think that I favor Olenek in the first round or two. I would start to favor Black Beast in the second or third round, but I honestly do not trust Derek Lewis's defense and his durability to not get finished in the first two rounds. So 
my pick is going to be Alexi Olenek by first or second round finish. And to be honest, even though he's a submission specialist, I think a knockout is on the table here because he just swings so hard. He throws volume. He's aggressive. He could catch the chin of Derek Lewis. Even if he knocks him down, it's probably more likely that he jumps on a submission like a rear naked choke like he did versus uh, Mark Hunt not that long ago. But I do think a knockout is on the table here. So if you want to play Alexi Olenek by knockout round one, round two, round three, you got some great odds in those but I think that Alexi Olenek by round one or two finish is going to be my pick I have two units on Alexi at plus 230 and I think there's still some value left on him at plus 165 However, if Olenek is not able to get that round one or two finish, definitely be looking to live bet Derek Lewis. I think he has the better cardio if the fight gets into the later round. So if Olenek doesn't get it done by the end of round two, he's probably going to gas out and it's probably going to be a Lewis finish in round three or four. So if you're looking to, to live bet this fight, I'd say that the second half of the fight, the seven minute mark would be the time to bet Derek Lewis if he is still alive. But I don't think he's going to last that long and I think Olenek gets the early finish. So that is going to do it for the podcast this week. We broke down all 12 fights. I gave a lot of advice on some bets. I think off the top of my mind, I said I'm betting Olenek. I'm betting Alquazi, Steropoli, and I believe that's all the action I have so far. I will update you my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page. You can check that out in the description of the YouTube video, and it's on my Twitter page. I'm on the Bet MMA Tips website with the username of Martian MMA, where I am up 55 units in the year of 2020, and I have won in, on 13 of the past 14 UFC events. I think I'm on an eight UFC win streak right now, so we are on an extremely hot streak. And we hope to keep it going this weekend. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast. Hope you all enjoy the fights. Hope you all win some bets. And I will see you all next week before UFC 252. Peace.